Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly morning to you. Oh, is it? It doesn't feel <laughs> like it to me. It doesn't feel like it to me. Andrew. Oh, yeah. I, I saw the uh, the text from you last night to say I've had six hours sleep in three days because I've mm. been on a, a stag weekend. Where were you and what were you doing? <laughs> you don't have to get like full details, of course. Just general. I mean, the thing is, I've been so warned. I've been so warned because I'm known as a leak. That's the thing, you know, with my social media profiles. I had my phone confiscated from me on the first day. It's not my stag do, but it felt like it was at times. People were worried that I would blab, that I would talk too much. Right. And I think the, the consequences of that uh, was a, a general enmity towards me which did not serve me well over the course of the weekend. That doesn't doesn't sound like fun, James. Well, no, at times it felt like fun. It was that fine line between fun and... uh, Shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I have to go with a firm firm no comment, which I appreciate is not that helpful, uh, given that there's almost nothing... Nothing else really to talk about. Yeah. Um, no, it's not particularly helpful, um, but there apologies. you go. Well, no, that's apologies. fine. I've that's given fine. my word. I've given my word. But all I will say is from my point of view, uh, I'm 32 this week, by the way. Oh, really? When? What What day? Uh, on Saturday. Saturday. Um, oh. I think that's the day of this. Uh, what, that's if France are playing their first World Cup game at 11 a.m. I imagine they'll have a moment's applause before kickoff. Uh, in my honour. Poor James. But, yeah. <laughs> Pray for James. But, um, uh, yes, from my perspective at 30 years of old, I am not sure that I've felt more physically drained from something ever. I'll tell you one thing that we did do. We went out into the desert. I'm not going to be specific about where we were, but we went into the desert and went, went crawling through a cave with tunnels about three sort of feet diameter. Right. And on a hangover... That it was like living a nightmare. You, could not, like you could not pay me enough money to do something like that. It's yeah. just, uh, there's a picture that's on the internet of this guy. I don't know, it's quite famous, and he's sort of stuck. He's gone through one of these tunnel cave type things, and he's he's just kind of stuck. And you can see him there like, oh, no, 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 just no. The idea of it is giving me the creeps. Because Are you claustrophobic generally, or is it just the idea of caves specifically that you find so? Um, no, it's the idea of being stuck, and then the yeah. and then the thing that goes through your head is like, well, why the fuck did I do this? 
It's that it's that thing you get like uh, if you get your head stuck in railings. You go, why did I put my head through the railings? Now I'm stuck. This is awful and terrifying and humiliating in equal measure. Potentially even worse than the railings thing. Yeah. Have you seen the film where the guy saws his arm off? Is it called Saw? No, no. it's called... Um, oh, 127 Hours. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 with James Franco. And, uh, yeah, the guy gets his arm trapped under a boulder. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'd Could be able to do that? Uh, no, I you don't. Just, you just die. You just, just let yourself like, die. I just let myself die, I think. I mean, I, it, do you know what? I'm just too... I couldn't do it. It's, it's not even the physical pain. I think it's just the visual. I'd have to blind myself first. That's how I would do it. I would first use the <laughs> knife <laughs> to gouge out my own eyes. Right. And then turn the blade on my arm. Mm. What about you? What would you? What could you do? I don't know. I mean, obviously, your instinct for survival would kick in. After a while, you get to a point where something that seems impossible is your only course of action, which I guess it is when you've only got a little pen knife. Like, I've got a pen knife here in the, in the office in front of me, and the idea, it's one of those little Swiss Army knife things, the idea of, oh, uh, no, God, no. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I think I would probably just bash my head off the wall and hope I'd knock myself out and never wake up. I think that's the, probably what I'd do. That is an option. I mean, the, the problem is it's not a big knife, is it? It's not like an axe. It's not like, okay, once and we're through. I mean, it's a real yeah. repetitive sawing motion. Yeah, and then you've got to go through. I mean, the bit where he had to, like, you've got to break your arm first. I only know the gist, you know, man saws off arm yeah. in desert canyon. Yeah, so I don't know how true to... I presume the film is pretty true to life because they consulted with the guy who it actually happened to. But, you know, if you think about sawing through your own arm... Right, you you've got to you've got to get through the bone as well. It's not just about getting through the flesh. You've got to cut through the bone as well. So what he does is he has to. I can't remember exactly how he does it, but he's got to position his arm in one way, and then he kind of shifts his entire body down to break his arm, so he can actually saw through where the bone is broken. That way, you can oh get the goodness. arm off. So yeah, I I just don't think I'd be able to do that. No, no, mm. me neither. But I mean, you know. That's very much the sort of thing, <clears throat> sorry, that we used to fear happened in Arsenal's medical room. Yeah. I, you know, I used to think that that's probably what they did on the operating table to people People like Paul Thomas Rosicki. He had his um, his special Thomas Rosicki day, didn't he? Did you see any of Testimonial. that? Testimonial. The only bit that I saw, I saw two bits actually, was <laughs> uh, Rosicki taking a penalty, which, <laughs> which Jens Lehmann saved. And yes. it's testimonial. I mean, people said, you know, Jens, what a guy. What a, but, you know, keeper's got to go one way. He's got to at least try and make a save, doesn't he? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think someone else missed a penalty in their testimonial for Arsenal. I think it might have been maybe Martin Keown. I've got a re recollection of that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Jens is a very competitive guy. But uh, it wasn't a great penalty, was it? You've got to say, from, from Rosicki on his final game, not yeah. a great penalty. should have done better. Should have done better. I mean, you've got to put it all on... Uh... He's got to live with that forever now. Yeah, <laughs> he does. And I did enjoy the, uh, the, the bit afterwards where he had his son, Rosicki had his son going all the way through and... Uh, 
and they scored. Uh, he scored a little mm. goal. But uh, Rosicky said afterwards about the penalty save. He said, "Typical Jens. It's no surprise. I was actually expecting him to save my son's shot too. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad he showed his human side as well." So um, there is a, a number of sides to to Jens Lehmann, and one of them we have discovered is human. That is good. It's like he's a cyborg. You know, half human, half crazy German robot man. Yeah. Uh, but that was good. I mean, the Fab Four reunited. Uh, Rosicki, Fla- Flamini. What were you going to uh, call him? Flaffany? Flaffany. Fabregas and Kleb. I It made me think, does anyone know what Matthew Flamini's up to now? Is he now like full-time billionaire... Uh, you know, energy man. Or I is thought he, a he went to. A, I thought he went to a Spanish side. I could be wrong, but maybe that was last year. Spanish club Getafe, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So he's. I don't know if he's still with uh, with Getafe, but um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's doing his other stuff, isn't he? The whole save the world via his you know special whatever it's called, Flamini's jism that will save uh, the universe because it's a type of fuel. That is, what is it? What's it called? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I have like no idea. Reusable. Oh, or it's renewable. It's renewable. Renewable. So, you know, we can all go out in many years' time, or hopefully soon, and we can fill our cars and lawnmowers and motorbikes with Flamini's jism, and we won't be doing any damage to the environment. And is that not, is that not everything we could want? That's true. Renewable, much unlike... Much unlike Matthew Flamini's contracts during his time at Arsenal. Yeah. Couldn't renew him for love nor money. He loves a Bosman. Yeah, loves yeah, a Bosman. Yeah. That's, that's, he had to invest in all this fuel somehow. Bosman transfers were the way, it turns out. Lots of uh, uh, Arsenal guys at that Rosicki uh, testimonial. Bakary Sanya was there. Gail Clichy was there as well. Ex-Arsenal guys, I should say. Alex Song was there. Yeah, Alex Song. All the old favourites. Mm. Uh, no, it was interesting. Like, it was the, the players primarily from that kind of 2000 and eight era aren't they which is a team that is remembered very fondly by some people for playing really good football but then is principally remembered for sort of collapsing in that awful Gallas inflicted manner Mm, yes yes everything I'm pinning everything on William Gallas uh, to be perfectly honest Uh, well that's that's, and he wasn't there was he uh, no I don't think so I don't think so that was uh, a lovely occasion for yeah, all. It certainly was. Um, it's been pretty quiet, though, from an Arsenal point of view. We have made a couple of appointments in the back room uh, who are going to mm. assist Per Mertesacker uh, at academy level. So there's uh, a lot of change going on uh, at that level. Marcel Lucasen. He comes in from Al Nasir in in Dubai, and he's got a track record of working with the German Football Federation as well, where he he was in charge of their their youth teams at national level. And a guy called Lee Heron, who's been the Reading Academy manager for the last couple of years, and he's been working with them for some 17 years. Uh, and he's come in to become, what is he? Uh, boom, boom, boom. I don't know what his official title is. Lee Heron, uh, he, I don't know, he was academy manager there. Head of academy he's... football operations. So this is we're getting all these kind of weird names now. So Markel, Marcel Lucasen comes in as head of coach and player development. Right. Then Lee Heron is the head of academy football operations. We've got uh, head of recruitment, Sven Mislintat. Raoul, of course, is our head of football relations. We're making sure we're not calling anyone director of football, aren't we? we you know, that must be so ingrained in, in Ivan Gazidis at this point. He's just terrified of calling anybody director of football, even though Arsene Wenger is gone. 
I think he's he's just waiting to bestow the title upon himself, presumably, uh, at some yeah. point in the next few months. I, th- these uh, Academy appointments are quite interesting. Do we have any real sense of what the hierarchy is among them? Is it that Mertesacker is working uh, above these guys? Are they working for him or is he working for them? What's the situation there? Well, I would assume that Mertesacker, as the head of the Academy, they will be under Mertesacker, right? I'm guessing right. that's the way the way that it's going to go. Um yeah, I mean beyond that, if he is the if he is the academy manager, then all 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 something. I don't know what. What am I saying? I think you're trying to say that presumably he's responsible for kind of all areas of the academy and these guys are kind of uh directing, you know, channel channels within that structure. Yeah. But I suppose it makes sense to bring in people who do have lots of experience because however highly the club may rate Per, he is brand new in that specific type of job, isn't he? Yeah, because he is working alongside a guy called Luke Hobbs, who's the interim academy manager, who uh, is doing the job while Mertesacker played out his final season uh, as a player before retirement. So... Um, yeah, he, he's there. Uh, he's going to be working, I assume, still alongside Mertesacker. But there are some changes um, coming in. There was a disciplinary issue, wasn't there, with two of the, the coaches, mm. uh, former player Steve Gadding and, and Carl Laraman. And I don't know what the outcome of that has been, whether or not uh, that's been completed in any way. We haven't heard, but it would be no surprise if there were more changes at, at academy level. So it's got to be Purr on top and then these guys as like a, a support team around him. So, uh, his, yeah. his very own Sven and Raoul, I guess, on the academy side. Yeah. And uh, Freddie Umberg supposedly joining as under-23s manager, but that's yet to be confirmed, isn't it? It is, it is. But he denied the claim, apparently, on Swedish television. But, I mean, what would he know? What would he know? Look, I like the idea. So as far as I'm concerned, it's happening. I've made my mind up about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, since we last spoke, I've, what, what has happened? Stefan Lichtsteiner officially signed, I, I think. He has. Think, he has. We haven't yeah. spoken since then. No, we haven't. That was last week. So, yes, he's on board. He is our, our, our first recruit under Unai Emery. Um, Number 12. I like it when... Uh, players have squad numbers that I feel like make sense. For example, in England's World Cup squad, I think there are three right-backs and they're number two, number 12 and number 22. I like that kind of symmetry. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that. And also a a number one by Lauren, who was a good right-back in his his own right. He certainly was. Carlos Vela, Olivier Giroud as well. Um, yeah, it's a good number. He seems like uh, a pretty a pretty sensible kind of a signing. Uh, we spoke about it with Paolo Bandini on the Arscast on Friday. Yeah, as much. Yep. If you haven't uh, listened to that already, you can get some insight into uh, Licksteiner and what kind of a player he is, what kind of a guy he is from Paolo, of course, who knows Italian football very well. He's come in from Juventus after seven years there. So that's the first signing. Uh, there hasn't been any other signings yet, although we are being linked with uh, a number of players. Socrates, uh, Papastathopoulos is, by all accounts, a done deal, but for some reason won't be announced until next month. I don't the know why. The indications are that he has even been over in the country for a medical. Um, well, that, that's certainly what I'd read uh, while I was away So last week. So I, I don't know why it would wait until July. Sometimes... Clubs like to move things around for to, for financial results yeah. and things like that. I think I mean, that's it could be the simple implication. as that. Yeah, that is yeah. the implication, of course. 
Um, so yeah, he, he's going to be done. And then, of course, James, I assume over the course of this weekend, despite the fact you have been busy in places mm. unknown, doing things unspeakable uh, <laughs> in caves or otherwise, that you have uh, been in touch with your in-laws to find out how to pronounce the name of the Turkish lad. Oh, God. This is going to run and run this summer. I've forgotten. Oh, right. James. Kagla. Uh, I know. Well, one thing I do know is I'm doing it wrong as it stands because I've had several tweets from people. Because I always say Soyuncu and I know that that's wrong. Right. By next week, I promise you, I will have that. I'll have that pronunciation. Next week, if only there was a way of somehow getting in touch with people instantly in this day and age via technology or otherwise. But look, next week is fine. <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure on you today. You're feeling you're feeling quite delicate. Honestly, I'm close to tears at this, even at this very idea. Um, but he, ha- he is still being linked, isn't he? Yeah, the clubs are talking. There's some quotes from, supposed quotes from his agent to say that talks have been taking place with Arsenal. Um, I think you know that that's very much the case, that the two clubs have yeah. been in touch. Um, that that yeah. is true. I mean, the only, thing, the only thing I would add to that is that that was prior to uh, us tying up seemingly a deal for Socrates. So what's interesting, I guess, is whether or not Arsenal are looking to bring in one centre-half or or two. Yeah. Um, I mean, my hunch is probably two if they can do it. Yeah, but that means somebody's got to go. It's got Mm. to mean someone's going. I wrote about it today in the blog, whether it's Skodran Mustafi who fits that bill because, you know, if we we do get rid of Mustafi, we've got like a collection of centre-halves. We've got some young ones and we've got some relatively old ones. We've got Koscielny, uh, Socrates. uh, Who else have we got in there? Uh, Monreal can play in there. But, you know, the rest of them uh, are quite young in the sense that holding Mavropanos, Chambers, this Turkish lad... um, whose name I'm not, I'm not even going to try and pronounce, because I know I'm doing it wrong. I did see some tweets as well with some phonetic uh, explanations as to how to pronounce his name, but I can't find them and I can't remember what it was that they said. So I apologise to the people who made the effort there. I think they said Smith. I think it was Smith. Pretty sure it was Smith. Yeah? Um, Charlie yeah. Smith. Yeah, Charlie Smith, something like that, pretty yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, one thing I do think is that I can't necessarily see us going into the squad with all three of the young centre-halves because I just don't see that necessarily as the most beneficial thing for their development. I can't see that they'll get enough game time, Chambers holding and Mavropanos. I personally think at least one will be loaned out. Mm. Um, one of the young ones? Yes, one of the young ones. One of the young ones, I think so. Okay. Okay, well, look, we'll wait and see. Obviously, uh, they're they're looking at this guy. How far they're going to take it remains to be seen. Um, we're going to sign a Barcelona youngster. Did you see this? A left back. A left back. He's 15, and the picture I found of him, well, he looks about 11, if really? that. Yeah, maybe it was a picture taken when he was 11, but his name is uh, Joel Lopez, and he's going to join in much the same way that uh, Sesk did and Hector Bellerin did, John Toral, uh, Fran Merida. These guys who've come in and uh, and made the grade or not made the grade at Arsenal, as the case might be. But 15, maybe Raul is the anti-Sven. If, if you look at what uh, Sven is doing, he's going back to Borussia Dortmund and mm. bringing in the, uh, the old experienced heads, the 29-year-olds, the 30-year-olds from Borussia Dortmund. And Sven is going, well, 
We must balance this somehow. The universe needs to be righted. I will take children from Barcelona. That sounds a bit more sinister than I wanted it to. Yeah, it really does. I don't know what <laughs> accusation we're levelling at him here. I mean, look, it's it's a uh, you know it's a path that has worked out for us pretty well in the past with Fabregas. So hopefully he can follow. Suit. Hopefully it turns out a bit more a bit more Fabregas or Bellerin than Fran Morita. So yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Then there's uh, links to a, a Uruguayan uh, midfielder called uh, Lucas Torreira. Yes. Uh. Uh, I mean, my looking at that story from the outside, it's come from. Has it come from Di Marzio? The sort yeah, of uh, kind Italian of. transfer. Uh, what's the what's the good word? Guru transfer transfer rumor guru transfer um, rumor guru. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably the right way to put it. That's probably the right way to put it. Uh, it does sound a bit like this one might be a slight red herring. I only I only wonder about it simply because there's been a lot of talk about him going to Napoli to mm. replace Jorginho, who I believe is Manchester City bound, and that just feels like it. It's a sort of little transfer merry-go-round that makes a lot of sense. So it feels like we would have to break the chain there a little bit to get that deal done. But uh, I've, I've seen people be very excited about him. I must confess, I don't know him particularly well at all. He plays for Sampdoria. He's going to be playing in the World Cup, though. So yeah. that might be the, the time for us to have a look at him and decide... He's the best player in the world and we need him immediately. Well, this is it. I hadn't really heard a great deal about him or was not really aware of him until the stories uh, started breaking. And then, of course, he becomes this thing that we have to have. Mm. Mm. Whether he's any good or not, we've all now uh, got on board the Torreira train. The uh, Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's how it goes, isn't it? We transfer rumours until something better comes along or something worse comes along or, you know, we bemoan the fact that we didn't get him. Who was the guy a few years ago? And everyone said, oh, we should get this guy. He's going to be the answer to all of our defensive midfield problems. Uh, I'm not talking about Jan Mvia, that guy. Um, oh, um, was it Etienne Capoue? Eh? No, not that. He, he was playing for a German club, Gustavo. Oh, Luis Gustavo, yeah. And everyone went, we've got to sign him. We've got we've got to sign Gustavo. He's the he's the guy that will put everything together. He'll link the midfield and the attack. He'll he'll provide security. He's he's the linchpin. He is the missing link. He is everything that we need to make ourselves great again. And then he went and signed for someone like Hoffenheim or somebody like that. Yeah. And I've never heard of him since. But at the time Arsenal and Wenger were an absolute disaster for not signing him. I can't remember when it was we were interested in him, but he he did, he did okay. I mean, I think he went on to Bayern, and, and I think he's at Marseille now. But the, the point being that he, you know, we just build these players up in our mind. We talked about Baptista, didn't we, on on the podcast yeah. a couple of weeks ago? Just this sense that he was the missing link, um, not in evolutionary terms between between no, Arsenal football being in terms, yes, <laughs> in footballing terms between us being you know, nearly men and champions and it and it didn't prove to be the case. I mean there's been so many players like that down down the years uh, that we've hyped up. Uh and to be honest, even when we've got them, sometimes we've realised they're not quite what we expect. Yeah. There's another link I saw that I was intrigued by, it may have been on Ask Blog today, about uh, a second possible bid for, is it Gelson Martins, the, the Portuguese winger? Is, is that how you say it? Is it Gelson or Gelson? Is it, we're in the GIF-GIF territory here. I don't, I don't know. know, and I'm not related to any Portuguese people, so I can't corroborate that. Right. Even, even next week. Right. Okay, that. well, look, maybe we could just you know do a little bit of research ourselves. It's probably Gelson, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Gelson because there, I remember another footballer called Gelson. Uh, in fact, I remember two. So yeah, I, I, and I, well, basically, I decided when I first heard it several years ago, it's Galson. So I'm just going to stick with my, the courage of my convictions. Yeah, but then I always called the dog in the Beano Ganasher. Did you? Yeah. Right, is that, and that, so you were always Ganabri. You were correct about Ganabri, I believe. Was I? Yeah. I think Gnabry was right. I forget so much of my life, but I believe you if you say I was I was okay, I was correct. I, I believe It's like you. A, a GNU. You know a GNU? Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's the Gnabry GNU rule. <laughs> but but it's not Gnelson because No, there's no N. There's no N. There's exactly. no N. Yeah, we don't. So it's Gelson. We're we're, we're happy we're happy with Gelson. Interesting in that he is a winger and that's something you've mentioned certainly in the past that mm. you would like to see us bring somebody into play in the final third who's a bit more traditional uh, in, in that sense, somebody who is more of a winger, more less a number 10 that can play out wide and more an out-and-out yeah. out winger. I think so. I mean, I've really... I've, well, I've been quietly banging that drum. It's like a little sort of uh, bongo, and I've just been you know, drumming my fingers lightly on the surface <laughs> of it. And um, I, yeah, I would really like to see that happen. I, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily have much confidence that it will. It feels like one of those things where we won't sign a winger and then on trust a deadline day, people say we won't be doing anything and I'll be like, I really hope we get a winger. And then after trust deadline day, for the rest of the season, when things don't go well, I'll keep referring back to the fact that we didn't sign the winger and be yeah. like, ah, ha, ha, I told you we need to do it. Do you know what I mean? It feels yeah. like one of those things. So but, you're actively hoping for that to happen so you can be right, or would you prefer uh, to eat the humble pie of uh, a winger-shaped pie if, if that I'd guy love, came in? I'd love, after, after all the pudding last week, I would love a winger-shaped pie with a, a delicious, speedy, uh, touchline-hugging filling, please. Yeah. No, I think that it, that is an interesting link. Whether or not there's much to it remains to be seen. I was uh, reading Sport Witness this morning, and they were uh, reporting from Ebola, uh, which is the uh, the premier uh, sports newspaper mm-hmm. in Portugal, who say that Arsenal came in with a bid of thirty million pounds or thirty million euros, which was rejected. And our second bid was also thirty million pounds, uh, which, as you can imagine, was also rejected. Perhaps, James, we have done Dick Law a disservice. I know <laughs> you have to wonder. <laughs> Maybe I mean, it's that's... just something about Arsenal as a club and entity. This is how we operate. This is exactly the sort of behaviour that had us exactly lamenting Dick Law and the previous regime. So that's a little bit concerning. If there is truth in that, I mean, I have seen. Uh, him play a couple of games, and all I just remember him being very fast. That that's about as much as I remember of him. Uh, but that's one of the criteria I'm looking for. Yeah. So mm. okay. Why not? I'll take it. I've got I've got an interesting piece of sort of Arsenal related. It's almost trivia, by the way. That okay. I must remember to squeeze into the podcast, which is that uh, I met someone recently who has watched quite a lot of Japanese football, and they were telling me about how former Arsenal man Lucas Podolski has been getting on in the J-League over in Japan. Right. And I think I think he plays for the club. I'm not sure exactly what they're called, but I think it's the same club Iniesta has, has just signed for. Um, Vissel Kobe, Podolsky plays right. for. And I said, oh, how's he getting on? How's he doing out there? You know, how's he sitting with the level? And apparently he started out there as a striker and was doing okay. But over the in- intervening months, he's sort of gradually gone back the pitch 
like players sometimes do when they get a bit older. And he's now playing for that team regularly as their deep lying midfield playmaker. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I believe you. I just, you know. It's mad. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like Granite Xhaka, you know, good left foot, hard shot, just yeah. standing in the centre circle. He was never the most mobile, Podolsky, really. No. Um, just knocking it around from the middle of the park. He's having a lovely time. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, it says maybe a bit about the, the, the league there, more than... Very possibly so. Very yeah. possibly so. But it's the midfield partnership we've all dreamed of, Iniesta and Podolsky. Podolsky, the, the destroyer, the <laughs> the minder for Iniesta's crept. And maybe those roles will switch. Maybe it'll be Iniesta running around, putting the tackles in, or he'll be playing up front. Podolsky pulling the strings from deep. It's like, I'd love uh, to see this team play. It's like uh, Frimpong and Wilshire at youth level. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very much like that. Lucas so, yeah, Podolsky, yeah, DM. I need. To, I feel like I need to... Uh, the, the, exactly, we had the DM we wanted all along. We just thought he was a, a winger or a striker. Wow. Wow. There you go. That is, uh, that's an interesting snippet. Uh, I'm going to have no, to watch some of this now because uh, I feel like we need fascinating. to yeah. start watching their games. We need a Podolsky watch. If there's anyone out there in Japan who uh, can corroborate or verify this, please do because... It's an interesting uh, development, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got a World Cup starting on Thursday. Are you excited? Yeah. Uh, not as much as I should be. And that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? I mean, I normally am very excited about the World Cup, but I, I, there's something about it this year. I don't know if it's the, the, the weight of the politics around the issue or just the fact that mm. it's very hard to get excited about Gareth Southgate, even though he seems like a nice man. Um I, I'm not as up for it as I thought, as I hoped I would be, but I'm sure when it kicks off with a, the tantalising Russia-Saudi Arabia clash on Thursday, I'm sure my appetite will be wetted and I'll be into the fray. Yeah, what about well, you? Are you looking forward to it? Sort of, yeah. I mean, Portugal-Spain on Friday looks quite a tasty game, doesn't That'll it? And, uh, you know, the, it's just the, there's always the novelty factor of um, just football on at well, weird times of the nice day. That change. Yeah. yeah. So actual football, that might give us something to talk about and to write about and everything else. And, uh, you know, looking at the Arsenal players involved and also looking at perhaps potential Arsenal players um, playing for their countries. Uh, Torreira, obviously for Uruguay. Uh, Martins, is that how we say? Gelson Martins or Martins, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, whichever one it is, uh, playing for Portugal, whoever else we might be uh, uh, looking at or casting our BDI over. Uh, which 29-year-old or 30-year-old is out there doing the stuff for their country that we're going to sign. Um, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but, but you know. Well, let's look at the first few days' fixtures quickly and just say sort of the Arsenal points of interest. So uh, Russia, Saudi Arabia, I suppose out of push, you might be looking at uh, Golovin, who, yeah. of course, we saw play for CSKA. He's been linked with Juventus, linked with Monaco in the last few weeks. It's gone a bit quiet from an Arsenal perspective, but was seemingly on our list at some point. Uh, on the Friday, first game is Egypt-Uruguay. So Mohamed Elneny possibly up against uh, Torreira there in the sort of Arsenal present versus possible Arsenal future. Yeah. Um, is Elneny going to be fit to play? I think he is. I think I'm they not, said he would so. be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Morocco, Iran, I don't know what I can offer you there. 
Oh, hang on. I think you you have got uh, an apology to make to all the people who pointed out last week when you were talking about... <laughs> yes. Um, what's his name again? Ali, I was, Ali Dai I was yeah. talking about, and I uh, claimed that he was from an entirely different country than the one he was actually from. So I apologise enormously to people of uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran for my yes. mix-up. Please do not cause any more diplomatic incidents. incidents. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. I know. I'll really try. Look, I know it's I know it's not something that's uh, common for you people from the Faroe Islands, uh, James. Sure, but, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do uh, your best. I'm so naive in the world. Uh, Morocco-Iran, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, from an Arsenal perspective, you probably can afford to not watch that. Maran Chamak's first team doses with Morocco have probably long gone. Um, but Portugal-Spain, yes, Martins. Yeah. Monreal, I mean, will be in the squad. I'd be much surprised if he played. Uh, that takes as far as Friday. Saturday's France. When's the, first, um, when's the first England game? The first England game, I believe, is on Monday. Okay. I believe. Uh, yeah, Monday the 18th of June, Tunisia. Um, and Danny Welbeck scored actually in a friendly for England the other week. Uh, a very, a very Welbeckian goal, I thought. I thought it was a uh, decent header. Uh, the unfortunate part of it, of course, was that it was a Deli Ali assist, and Deli Ali, you know, sort of smothered himself all over Welbeck, which is, you know, yeah, it's, that's it's not, not a sight you no, want to see, is no, it? No, please stop, please stop. Uh, but maybe that will improve his chances of. Uh, I don't know, getting mm. out on the pitch at some point in the tournament. Uh, and finally, just for this part, our, our new kits were officially launched. Um, mm. You know, I, I love the fact Robert Perez will do anything. He will do anything, won't he? Just I mean, to be around Arsenal. I love that. I love that. Robert, we are launching a brand new uh, collection of Arsenal urinal cakes. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll just, I'll be there. Whatever you want, I'll do it. He said he wants to work with Unai Emery. Not as a coach. Nah, I don't want to do any coaching. That's a bit hard. Don't want to, you know, I don't know, not coaching. But, like, if he wants me as a link uh, between the players and him, he obviously speaks Spanish, Perez. He knows the players very well. I mean, he's still there. One of the first pictures of Stefan Lichsteiner is him meeting Robert Perez at the training ground. He must have his yeah. own keys. I guess he has his, Robert, will you lock up tonight? Sure. No props. I'll do it. Whatever you like. Give the place a sweep, actually, just before I go. Make sure it's all spick and span for the first guy in in the morning, which, of course, is is going to be me, Robert Perez. It's, I, it I think it's great. I yeah. think he might live there. I think he might sleep in the, you know, in the changing room, in a little sleeping bag. Um, Arsenal-branded yeah, sleeping bag, of course. It is actually genuinely really nice because presumably, I mean, presumably he's on some sort of retainer for his sort of ambassadorial role that he plays with the club. Yeah. But, you know, he is primarily doing this. He doesn't have to be doing this, as you say. You know, he doesn't have to continue this association, this affiliation. And yet there he is representing the club, dealing with fans, mm. you know, dealing with the media. Uh, it's really nice, actually, to have someone like that. Who, and I, I really do hope the new regime isn't completely ruthless. You know, I know there's been a bit of ruthlessness behind the scenes, but I think it's important to have people yeah. that we care about and we like around. Of course. I mean, I, I imagine that even Robert Pires couldn't necessarily make you fond of uh, this set of kits. Mm. Not happy with them? Nah, yeah, but like, fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. There's no point, you know, getting too stressed out about it. I did enjoy last week when we talked about the kits and the new kit manufacturer where I, I said, like, very briefly and very succinctly that I'd heard it was going to be Adidas. 
right? Mm. All of a sudden, there were <laughs> all the a lot of the Twitter accounts, according to Arsblog, Arscast, yeah. Arsenal have signed a multi-million, hundred million dollar deal with Adidas to provide kits. And I was going, I didn't say any of that. I just said I heard it was going to be Adidas. Uh, people, people put bells and whistles on things. I That's still, it. I still stand by that. I've heard, I've heard it's going to be Adidas, but I didn't. I don't know how much. I presume it is going to be a multi-million thing deal. I hope it is. It will want to be. If it's like forty quid or something, you know, that's going to be annoying. Yeah, it would be. You can't get much for forty quid these days you, in the football. Well, you can't market. even get the shirt for it. To, so yeah. it doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, yeah, I mean, well, do you think there are going to be another raft of tweets and news stories saying like? Ask blog reiterates his Adidas exclusive. <laughs> Says deal is worth forty pounds, <laughs> at least. Yeah, at least, at 40, least forty points. pounds confirmed. Yeah. forty pounds plus add-ons. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we will see. All right, look, we're going to take a break here because it's the end of part one. We're going to come back with part two and your questions right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome back to the uh, Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Here's a question from Al Wayne, who's at alwayne 75 and it's a very simple one. He says, have the club tried to change too much at once? Have the club... The honest answer is probably yes. Because when you look at what's happened in the past 12 months, I think it would have been better if that had happened over the past three to five years. In terms of you mm. know the bringing in of the executive team and the, the changes to the backroom staff... I think that it would have been more ideal for there to have been a gradual bedding in of those people. However, you know, that there was a failure on the part of the club to do that and to enact those things early. So they, I think they had no choice but to do it quickly. But yeah. in my opinion, yeah, it is a bit too much too soon. What do you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, these changes have had to be made. I do wonder how possible it was to make those changes over the last number of years because things were being done the way that they've always been done yeah that's and that's the way well. that's the way we do them 
Um, mm. So it hasn't been possible to make those changes. You know, I'm all for it, I have to say. I particularly like the idea that we are not just bringing in a new first-team coach or ag coach or a new manager, whatever the hell you want to call a new boss. Uh, Unai Emery, his new staff are going to come in with him. But the fact that we are refreshing things at uh, academy level as well, we're bringing in people of experience to support Per Mertesacker, who's taking his first steps into that kind of administrative role. You know, we're doing it in a way like we're not setting him up to fail, if that makes any sense. We're not just saying to Per Mertesacker, right, you've retired, you're a smart guy, you've got clear ideas about how you want to work and how you want things to be for young players. You've got good ideas, I'm sure. Go do them. What we're doing is giving him the best possible chance of succeeding in the job. So Mm -hmm. that's what I think is really quite interesting about the way that we're operating. So I'm for it. I agree with you. It's probably something that could have been done... um, more gradually but I think when it became apparent these things needed to be done let's just get them done and we can we can see where we go over the next the next couple of years you know I don't know that making this many changes this quickly is really going to cause us any any big hassles I can see how it would have been better to implement it over time but I don't really see how it's going to be a problem no I, I, I would concur with that I mean, I had a question here about this, which is only about one aspect of the change, which is from Per Johnson, who's at Percy Johnson. And they say, uh, with so much change at the club, it's curious that no change has been reported in our scouting network with Sven fully in charge now. Could that be why we're seeing all the familiar signings from Borussia Dortmund, PSG and Barca? Will shake-up happen after the window closes? I don't know. I mean, again, we don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, there was talk, wasn't there? I, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, a story linking Gilles Grimondi to maybe a director of football job somewhere in France. I can't remember which club. Oh, really? But Grimondi was, was Arsene Wenger's chief scout in France. And, you know, with all due respect to Gilles, there's been a generation, maybe a generation and a half of talent to come out of France that is absolutely outstanding and we haven't had a single one of those players. Yeah. Not a single one of them. Where in the past you would have said Arsene Wenger, Arsenal's connection with France, you know, still a very popular club over there. You know, our track record of bringing in young players from that uh, country uh, down the years has been really, really good. We have found talent. We haven't had a single one of those players. So... We should, I think, see things done differently. You know, there is a need to refresh and replenish, but how much do we actually get to hear about that in an official capacity? Like, are the club going to put up uh, an announcement, we have just brought in a new chief scout in Germany or a new chief scout in France? I don't think we get that forensic level of detail when it comes to the news, it's not like those things can't happen or don't happen. We just don't really hear about them in any official way. We might get it through a back channel somewhere or or a story, et cetera, et cetera. So um, with it's, those it's, changes may be taking place, but perhaps we just don't know about them yet. That's yeah, all. and actually, actually, I think, you know, I think I should go, I can do a little bit of digging about that, but you are right that we don't hear that news officially ever. I was... Um, able to have a conversation with someone uh, last week who has met Sven since he arrived at Arsenal and who knew Sven from Dortmund. It was a quite an interesting chat. They were telling me that uh, there was big interest f- about uh, five years ago in 
from Tottenham to take Mislintat uh, there. It was around the time they actually appointed, I think it was Baldini to do that oh, yeah, job yeah, yeah, for yeah. them. Yeah. And Sven essentially apparently used their in, Spurs' interest to leverage himself a better deal for at Dortmund. Go on, Sven, go yeah. on. So there's, there's another reason to like him. Apparently a very nice guy, incredibly intelligent and incredibly obsessive about what he does. I mean, you know, all the kind of same things you hear said about Arsene Wenger, about how all he does is watch football. Those things are applied to Sven, you know, to the same extent, probably even more so because it's so much about the detail. And one of the things that I was told about him is that he is absolutely convinced by his method of scouting. (laughs) Uh, And he refuses to... If you try and talk to him about, maybe there's a different way to scout a player. You know, you don't have to go through the, exactly the same process that you do. He will. He he shuts down. He's not interested. So he has a very definite idea hmm. of how he wants that scouting process to play out, apparently. So one can only imagine that he will look to impose that on Arsenal's own network of scouts before long. Um, how that ties in with... By the players from Dortmund is a you know a sort of interesting discussion point, isn't it? But yeah. That that was the that was the the, the little bit of information I heard. How about do you Sven. yeah? How do you view that? Because on the one hand, you could say, okay, this is a guy who absolutely believes in his own methods and mm. the uh, the effectiveness of them and everything else. And there's something quite, uh, I think, something to be said for that kind of single-minded belief in what you're doing. You know, this is the way, I know this is the right way to do it, and this is the way that I'm going to do it. On the other hand, being a little bit more flexible and being open to other ideas is no bad thing either. No, I mean, the word I used in the first part of the podcast, guru, is one that has been applied to Sven, hasn't it? And, you know, that kind of thinking, that sort of clear ideology is very attractive to people because it's like, well, you know, we're going to put all our eggs in the Sven basket. And he he says he knows what he's doing and he says he knows how to do this. And to be fair to him, his results at Dortmund were predominantly very good. You know, there has to be a bit of a slightly scattergun approach. They can't all be hits, but... On the whole, I think it worked out well. Mm. I think that uh, for Arsenal, it probably appeals to have someone with a very clear, very distinctive voice at a time when the club has been slightly lacking direction, particularly in their recruitment, which has felt you know, very ad hoc, very unclear what's been the plan. Having someone who says, I know what needs to be done and I know how it should be done. Uh, probably really appealed to people on the board. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's it, quite Wengerish, dare I say. It is, it is, it is quite Wengerish, yeah. It is quite a Wengerish uh, way to be. But then if you think about the Arsene Wenger of 20 years ago, he was arguably the greatest talent spotter in European football at that point. Yeah, I, I guess when you're appointing somebody, if they have these ideas and if they can, you know, articulate those ideas and explain to you why they believe this is the right way to do it, that can be very impressive rather than somebody who goes, yeah, we can do this, we can do that, blah, blah, blah. But if you've got a guy, you know, when you're making a key appointment, I, I guess that can be an impressive uh, candidate when they're in front of you and they're telling you this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to do it. So. Yeah. And, and, and my impression, and I didn't get the specifics of it, but my impression is that when he talks about the way in which you scout a player, it's, it's a very practical, applicable method. I don't think it's like a notional thing of, I've just got a good feeling. You know, I think yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's a clear system in place for how they approach this. Uh, and that's what turns up people yeah. like, uh, you know, Mavropanos. So, 
it, it, I can't remember what the question was. Oh, the scouting network. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure changes are being made. I'm sure Sven has people he'll want to bring with him or people he knows that we put into that network. And I'm sure existing scouts will probably find their jobs changing a little bit in the yeah. way it wants to be done. But again, that's no bad thing. As you say, we've missed out on plenty of talent in the last few years and that, that needs to change sooner rather than later. Encouraging, I guess, that it looks like the Yassine Adli deal from PSG is a bit more of a return to form for us in that perhaps, respect. Perhaps so. Uh, just uh, interestingly, I was told uh, over the weekend that you, we all know of uh, Stat DNA. Mm. Um, and Stat DNA, we tie in with transfers, apparently. Mm. And we believe that Stat DNA helps us identify targets in that regard. But part of what Stat DNA also does is it scouts the opposition ahead of games. Right. Yeah. So it can provide detailed analysis of the opposition to the manager should he choose to use it. Arsene Wenger did not choose <laughs> to use Stat DNA. So maybe that's something that Unai Emery, who is a bit more focused on um, the opposition and how to to tailor his tactics to the opposition, you know, with videos. We've heard all the stories, haven't we, about how you've got to watch video after video of your opponent uh, under Unai Emery. So that might be something that, that ties in with that as well. Um, fixtures are out on Thursday. Uh, the Premier League fixtures, they'll be uh, released on Thursday. And Raw Arse, who's at Raw Arse. That sounds painful. Mm, certainly does. Uh, he says, good morning, fellas. Good morning to you. Would you prefer to draw the top teams at the start of the season when no one knows our tactics? And he puts in brackets, element of surprise. Or later, when our players are more familiar with the new tactics, but the opposition knows how we play. Hmm. Well... <sighs> If there's one thing we do know about Emery, it's that when he was in charge of Sevilla and Valencia, he would uh, adopt different tactics often when facing the big teams. For example, he uh, gave uh, Guardiola's sides, although he didn't necessarily get great results, better games than most uh, opposition, you know, in Spain. And he, 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 so he was able to shift his tactics rather than it being the Arsenal approach of ideally we'll play the same in every single game. Uh, my temptation would be to start with an easier run of fixtures. I just think for the manager to get his sort of feet under the table, as it were, and get a few positive results on the... on the What's the... What's the chalk up a few positive results early on yeah. could be really helpful and assuage any doubts or any concerns or anyone still kind of, you know, longing for Mikel Arteta. I just mm. think a few, you know, three or four wins on the bounce at the start of the season would really energise everybody. And if it, uh, we needed a friendly fixture list to help us do that, yeah. that's fine. I, I would be kind of on board with that. You know, I don't want a Man United or a Liverpool on the opening day or, you know, just prefer not to have something like that. You know, something relatively routine for a couple of games. I mean, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to win. You think back to that uh, that Aston Villa game at the start of the 2013-14 uh, season, wasn't it? When uh, yeah. we lost and we ended up with nine men and everyone went fucking crazy. Um, and Arsenal, in reaction to everyone going crazy, said, oh, we better do something and went out and signed Mesut Ozil, just specifically because we'd lost to Aston Villa. Otherwise, there was no way that deal was, uh, was going to happen. But... Um, I'm joking, of course. But yeah, no, I would prefer just a couple of uh, easy-ish games to get us going, just to to see how we're doing, to see what we're doing, to see how we're doing it, 
And if we can get a couple of good results, then, you know, you might start to build a, a little bit of momentum. But, you know, you got to play them at some point. So, really, it does, it, does it matter that much per our personal preferences? I don't think they really matter. So, this is a question from Johan Strang, at Johan Strang. And Johan asks... A lot of talk about which players would potentially thrive under Unai, but which players do you think will struggle without the liberty of Arsene Wenger? Um, that's a good Tricky question, one, yeah. Because I've, I've, I have been guilty of that. I think I've thought primarily about, well, who's going to blossom? Who's going to succeed? Who's going to you know, uh, really kick on now? But I, I guess it's inevitable, isn't it, that some players will go the other way? Yeah, maybe. But I don't know that there was... I mean, the only one I can think of really is Mesut Ozil, just because he was not even on the pitch, but perhaps off the pitch, indulged mm. slightly by, by Arsene Wenger. On the pitch, you know, these guys are professional. They want to win games. They're prepared to do the work to win games. I don't think there's anybody who has what gone through the the last couple of seasons under Arsene Wenger and waltzed their way through you know I can't think of anyone really who's going to who's going to look I mean there will be players who might not work with uh that's a terrible thing to say there will be players who might not work that doesn't make any sense on any level but there no. might be players who find Emery's uh methods not to their taste or not to their liking there may well be. But I just have this sense that as a squad and as a group of players, we've been just crying out for somebody to bring a bit more organization, a bit more discipline to the way that we approach games and to approach our seasons. So I'm kind of giving everyone the benefit of the doubt in that sense. Mm. I think you might be right. I mean, I think everybody in the squad, the more I think about it, could be improved by by a change I, I really do I mean of, of course it's unlikely it will go that way and I think you know one or two mm. will not enjoy the video sessions or not enjoy the new tactical setup but uh, uh, apart from Ozil I, I really can't think of, of anyone who I'm like they're in trouble now you know I think this manager's going to chuck them out the side I think yeah. I think I think it'll give most players a clean slate and it's up to them to to earn his trust and mm. vice versa. Yeah, I mean, at this moment in time, because it's still early June, we just don't have any clue about what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, what he's thinking. He hasn't given any interviews since his announcement as as head coach. So we're kind of shooting in the dark about what he's going to do and how he's going to do it and who might benefit and who might not. So, you know... What do you think he is doing right now? Learning English. Learning English intensively. Yeah, I would say so. I'd say that's a big part of what he's doing. Obviously... He will be um, working with uh, Sven and Ivan and uh, Raoul to to build the squad for the new season. Decisions will be made in conjunction with him about who's going to be brought in and who's going to go, perhaps. Um, and will he be looking back, do you think, watching, watching all the games from last season? Do you think that will be on his agenda? Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, he would obviously have been aware of our results, probably not the performances, like, if he's that video-obsessed, I'm sure he will sit down and watch yeah. some games, won't he? Sure. You know, um, but quite how and why, I don't know. But I'd say there's a huge amount of preparation going into um, into this month in June in particular because he's got to get his staff organised. He's got to get his plans organised. I, I think Arsenal are releasing the 
the the final bits of their preseason preparations. The final fixtures are going to be announced at some point this week, uh, I believe. So right. he'll have all that in mind. He'll want to give players. Uh, I suspect there'll be some players in the squad that he he has his mind made up about already, either in terms of how important they are or how unimportant they are. You know, um, but maybe he'll give everyone a clean slate. But I would just say doing preparation, learning English as much as possible, um, making sure he's in the best place to communicate with the players in the best way, uh, whether that's bringing somebody on board as a kind of a an interpreter in the meantime, I don't know. Learning the football lingo, learning the language of football, which is different, of course, as we know, uh, from country to country. You know, all those various little things that he's going to have to do. And then I just guess... You know, preparing the squad with mm. the uh, with the football executives uh, and everything else. So uh, busy time, busy month. Definitely, definitely uh, a busy month. Okay, I've got a question here. Do I? Uh, too many tabs. You've got too many tabs, mate. Too many tabs. Okay, this one is from Matt Dyke, who's at Matt underscore Dyke, and he says, potential transfers are exciting, but how about some airtime to discuss how well Aubameyang has settled in and the record-breaking start to his Arsenal career? With him rested from the World Cup, how excited should we be about the prospect of his first full season? Yeah, really excited. I think I've said that a few times. I'm really buzzing. In fact, um, there was a Spurs fan with me on this weekend away and he, he confessed to being a little bit worried about how many goals Aubameyang was going to score next season, which was music to my ears. You know, the last few years we've had to kind of live with Harry Kane's explosion. Mm. And for us to have a genuine rival to Kane for, for the Golden Boot next year is a really exciting prospect. Mm. And I... I have to say it's going to be really fascinating to see what Emery feels he ought to do about having Aubameyang and Lacazette and how they might dovetail because we saw signs of it last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I sort of, I feel like that the end of last season, the last few months, always felt like a kind of makeshift team. You know, we were just putting sides out there in the Premier League just to get through the games essentially and focus on Europe. So when it matters and when we have to actually draw up a team that we can be functional over the course of a whole campaign, it will be interesting to see how those two are deployed. Yeah. Uh, That's why I find the idea of a winger really interesting. Somebody Mm. to provide the kind of service in the box that Aubameyang and Lacazette would thrive on. You know, we do have creativity. There are creative players in the squad, but that out-and-out winger kind of player could be really, really useful, particularly for Aubameyang. So, yeah, I'm, I think he's been fantastic in terms of what he's produced, goals and assists, playing out wide left a lot of the time, which I suppose in some ways uh, proves that Arsene Wenger was right to an extent. He can play out there and can be yeah. effective out there. We thought, OK, you've got one of the best strikers in Europe and you're playing him out wide. What are you doing? But he got ten goals and four or five assists, I think, in his uh, in his uh, short period of playing because he couldn't play the Europa League game. So yeah, there was some method to Arsene Wenger's madness in that regard. But I'd prefer to see him, obviously, a central next season, central striker. I think that's where he's going to score uh, the most goals. So yeah, it's going to be good. Did you see Harry Kane um, sign a new deal with Tottenham over the weekend? Six years, was it not? Yeah. So is he now basically the London Matt Letizia? You know, staying with a club where he knows he's never going to win anything. I like that comparison. I like that comparison. I mean, uh, yeah, I was. I, I mean, it's a huge thing for Spurs, isn't it? They've got Pochettino and Kane signed up now. I mean, all we can do is hope there are 
release clauses and they both go to Real Madrid in a year or something like that. That's, that's my ideal situation. Have Real Madrid, they haven't announced a new manager yet, have they? No, they haven't. Mm. Arsenal's still waiting by the phone. <laughs> that's got a bit quiet, that one, hasn't I think, it? I think he might be waiting. I think he yeah. might be waiting a bit for that one. Um, yeah. What other questions have we got? Uh, let's have a look. I probably have some. Um, ba ba ba. I said that, but it was it was I wasn't I wasn't really ready. You know, it was very unprofessional. You were I just kind of, hoping. I, yeah, it was it was a hope more than any kind of conviction. Uh, oh, here we go. Right. If I if we're gonna if I have some, we're gonna find out. Okay, Fraser Corbett. Okay. At Freddie Four King, one animal is to become extinct: the cow or the pig. You have to decide which. Which one do you go for? Fuck. Power rests with you. Oh my god! I mean, steaks and milk versus bacon and sausages. Mm. I mean, no. I suppose we would drink pig's milk if we could, couldn't we? But we don't. I, I'd give it a go. You would just to save bacon. I I would choose the cow to go extinct. There are a few reasons. Number one. I can't tolerate beef anymore, really. It gives me a really bad stomach. Oh, really? Okay. So it's purely selfish in that respect. Right. Num- number two, I've watched the film Cowspiracy about how cows release so much methane that the ozone's fallen down. Right. Something like that. I wasn't paying full attention, but it's something like that. Okay. Uh, and number three, pigs, I think, are sort of funnier looking and sort of more cute to look at and also delicious. So I'm going to save the pig. Yeah. Hashtag save the pig. What would you do? I mean, you would never have a leather shoes again or a leather jacket, a leather biker jacket when you go through your, you know, biker phase. That's true. Uh, yeah. My inevitable midlife crisis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, but, you know, a pigskin coat. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, if you were to ask me what is the thing, it's basically coming down to this for me, a steak versus a bacon sandwich. Sure. Like if I had to, if we're if we're on last meal territory, and I had to choose one or the other, it'd be a bacon sandwich. Really? Yeah. See, I think mine would be too. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, cows. Sorry. Sorry, cows. Your time has come. Yeah. Uh, Got to save those pigs. I, I think you're correct. Also, if there's no pigs, there's no ham on, and if there's no ham on, there's no ham. How on are they going to make those sweet sweet ruffles? Yeah. Even though I they believe are, they're completely vegan. Yeah, I believe they are made from pure <laughs> ham, aren't they? <laughs> ruffled ham, not just 100% pure ham. 100% pure ruffled ham. Ruffled ham, yeah, exactly. So, no artificial flavourings. Yeah, I think I'd miss milk a bit, but I don't take milk in uh, coffee. There are a lot of substitute milks out there that are actually okay. Yeah, but could you have cereal with them, for yeah. example, like uh, crunching or cornflakes or, or Cocoa Pops? Yeah, mm. true. But look, it's bacon sandwich or, or steak, and I love a good steak, but I think if it came right down to it, I've got to have the bacon sandwich. I've got I think to. you've made the right choice. Let me ask you a question. Go on. If you could have... Oh, is this is just your question. This yeah, it's just a question. The... It's not one of the... Right, okay. We're going to go there. If you could have a packet of dry-roasted peanuts that contained no peanuts, but only a packet full of the dust at the bottom of a pack of dry roasted peanuts. Mm. Would you like that? I would like it, but mm. I fear that in that quantity, 
it would become too much. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like, I really love that dust. Yeah, it is It is good. And I'd argue that when you get to the bottom and you've eaten all the peanuts and it's just the dust... I'm going to say something quite un- unpleasant, actually, now. Are you ready for this? <sighs> OK. Sometimes, at around that stage, when there aren't that many peanuts left, I will get a peanut out of the packet, I will then lick that peanut and then put it back into the packet <laughs> so that the dust adheres to the peanut. I'd never thought of doing that. Yeah. Mm, that's pretty gross, though. Yeah, I know, but it does taste good. It's not for sharing. Like, I feel I could snort that dust. It's that good. Sure, sure. Just like... like I'd love to see, like, a sort of Narcos remake of you selling that dust. Exactly. Like a like kind a- of Breaking Bad set in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> little bags of dry-roasted peanut dust. L- little brown dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, become yeah. the kingpin. Exactly. I'd be like a Scarface. You could sit there at my table with a big bowl of, of uh, dry-roasted peanut dust and then come out of the end and say hello to me, little friend. <laughs> um, that would be... Yeah, that would be amazing. There is my new life's ambition. Ah, I mean, it could happen. I think it would be like crack, honestly. Mm. People would would be into it in a big Mm. way. Uh, A couple of quick ones to finish off. Toshiro Hitsugaya. I hope I got that right. He's at underscore Frank Frank Grimes Esquire says, uh, have you thought about doing a show or two looking back at old Arscast episodes and reviewing the opinions previously expressed to see how time has borne them out? I was listening to some old shows before and you have some gems. Oh, no, uh, no, we'll never do that. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like with Twitter, it's awful because you say something and then five years later, people can just put it in a search engine and they discover it. Fortunately, that technology does not yet exist for podcasts. You know, you have to go to quite a lot of effort to go back and listen to it and see how wrong we were. Yeah. And why we would make that easier for you, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had people tell me quite recently, a lot of people say, oh, we've come back and I've listened to the to all the arse casts from start to finish. And, uh, well, it's quite the journey, I would say, going from the very first one to where we are now. But, oh, look, no. you know, all you can do is, uh, you know, all the information or everything you say at the time is in good faith, Right. So yes. you can always stand by something when it's what you actually believe. It's if you're saying what you think people want to hear, that's when you get yourself into trouble, you know? Um, so some of it might be silly and some of it might be very, very wrong, and I'm sure that it is. But at the time, you know, you, you do what you do and you say what you say in good faith, and I think you can stand over it from that point of view, which isn't to say that I ever want to go back and listen to them. Because I don't. Oh, no way. No, no, no. That would be... I mean, that would be kind of torturous, wouldn't it? If, like, as a punishment, I locked you in a room and just played you every episode of the Cost Extra on a loop. I think you'd go very mad very quickly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, uh, final one. Uh, go where on. the hell is it? Again, too many too many tabs. It's Where does he put them? That's what I find myself wondering. It's like... He's got all these tabs, but... Oh, yeah, this is this is the one. This is the one. It comes from Joe, who's at Red and White 11. Okay. And he wants to know, and this is very important, which piece of fruit do you think mm. you could throw the furthest? That's a great question. Yeah. I thought about this for a while. Okay. I think, I think mine is an apple. Right. I think... I think you're wrong. I think right. you're wrong. Why? I mean, I think you're right in the in the right ballpark because you have to have the the ratio between size and chuckability 
that's the um, that's the quality you need. You know, the ability to hold it in your hand and throw it. Yes. Like, you know, the, the weight and size versus how much it fits in your hand. But right. I think an orange would be better than an apple. I feel Why? like apples aren't quite heavy enough. Is it an, an apple's heavier than an orange, isn't it? I doubt it. I would say an orange is heavier than an apple. Your that average orange... That is a ludicrous opinion. That is no way... Tr- right. Have you I'm got Googling fruit? That. No. I, come on. I've just been on stag do. I haven't got a fruit. I, I need fruit. But I haven't... Hang on. O- average orange weight. Have you got fruit downstairs? Um, I have some pink ladies. Oh. They're apples, but I don't have any oranges. Pink ladies, my favourite type of apple. I don't really like apples. Why have you got them then? They're not. They're not for me. Uh, okay, for the dogs. Yeah, yeah, the dogs. <laughs> dogs love apples. <laughs> um, now, orange, a common commercial orange. Yeah. A medium commercial orange, 131 grams. Right. According to this. Okay, 131 grams. Now, let's see what I can get for an apple. I mean, there's different types of apple. Granny Smith. Weight equivalents, apples. What is this website that's just got all the weight of fruits on it? Right. Fruitweight.com. Okay, so it's giving me for an orange that is a medium orange, which has got two to five inch diameter, I think. It's 131 grams. Right. A small apple, common, which is two to three or four inches diameter, uh-huh. is at 149 grams. That's bullshit. Yeah. I, d- I dispute that website completely. You think if I ha- you held your hands out and I gave you an apple in one and an orange in the other, you're going, oh, that, that orange is heavy. Yeah. I think I it's still think of I the could... juice. Is that why? Because it feels like it's got all liquid in it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like a sponge. Got, like a molten core, you know. Mm. I still feel like I could throw an orange further than I could throw an apple. Right. I'm going to have to try this. This Okay, the next live ass cast, we bring the fruit. Okay. Makes a change for them throwing it ass. Yeah. And then we we sit, we have a contest. We see how far we can go. Okay. That I doesn't mean, sound dangerous. No, I mean, indoors, we're, we're restricted somewhat, aren't we? So are we just going to have to go well, out on Upper Street? You could throw it further than the length of a room. Yeah, we'll do it on Upper Street then, yeah. Fucking right, you could, yeah. Could throw in good... Yeah, how, good distance. How far are you throwing this orange? A couple of miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. You know, I don't know how far, you know. Overarm. You're throwing it overarm. Yeah, sort of overarm. Not like a bowling overarm, but the kind of, you know, yeah. when you throw yeah. it. Like proper throw. Not just a bowl, a throw. So I reckon I could definitely throw an orange further than an apple. I feel like we're going to get some replies about this. People, maybe people who've done this before, who know which fruit travels best. I mean, a banana would that come back like a boomerang? Boo. Uh, what, <laughs> what else can you throw? Uh, a pomegranate, kiwi fruit. Yeah, I feel like kiwi fruit might travel quite well. It's hairy, you see. Like that slows it down, though. No, it might do, or maybe it just makes it more aerodynamic. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that works. I think runners shave their bodies, don't they? Yeah. Swimmers you do. have to shave the kiwi first. A shaved kiwi is just a giant gooseberry, isn't it? 
I think so, pretty sure. Yeah. I think I think I would stick with Apple. I haven't heard anything to dissuade me of Apple. I like that you... I mean, maybe you could throw an orange further than I could throw an apple, but that's a different question. Yeah, it is. What about a, um, you know, a mango or an avocado? Maybe an avocado because it's got that heaviness. Yeah, that but stone. it's not an even shape. Is that going to... Because sort of egg-shaped, isn't it? Mm. That might influence things. I think you want something round... Yeah, and it would need to be an orange, wouldn't it? You know, not not like a Satsuma. It would need to be a no. proper orange. A blood orange. Well, or an apple. Or an apple, as I keep saying. Yeah, you keep saying apple. I'm, I'm just not convinced. I'm okay. unconvinced. You know? Well, there's only one way to prove this. There is. Science. Um, science. <laughs> and that's the nature of science. You that is the for, nature for of evidence. science. All right. Well, look, this is something that we will uh, we will endeavour, along with the name of the Turkish lad. Uh, I'm writing that down out. now. What's he called? Turkish man. Okay, right. I'm, I'm going to do it. What is gonna... Turkish man called? What is Turkish... I've actually, by mistake, written Turkish mash. I don't know what's happened there, but I've just panicked. So, Turkish mash. You'll be getting some Turkish mash next week. Mmm, delicious. Delicious. Okay. All right, well, look, we've got a World Cup uh, kicking off on Thursday. We will, uh, we will, we will, I will certainly have an Arscast for you on Friday. Uh, so, uh, tune in and join us for that. Uh, your uh, fruit-related um, feedback would be welcome, of course, on Twitter Very if you welcome. want to tell us uh, which one of us is wronger than the other. Um, I, I and think- don't tell us about our terrible opinions in the past, please. Yeah, yeah, please. Let us let us go on with our lives. Mm. Let us just put it all That's why us. you said that thing a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, about how I think we need to stop looking back at this point. You know, yeah. we need to let go of the Arsene Wenger age because you know that there's treasure to be found if people go digging. <laughs> please forget everything we say the minute we yeah. say it. Enjoy Let's it. just delete all the odd podcasts <laughs> and then move on with our lives. <laughs> Uh, look, this is a this is a digital record, an archive of our time. At some point, yeah, there was a. Uh, where is it? I have another question. I had another question uh, from Brad Dennett, who's at Bradley underscore Dennett, who says it's the year twenty three fifteen. How is football played? Like it's In space. not. It's In space. It's not. It's not. The Earth is done. We're finished. The human yeah. race is gone. We've been wiped out. But somewhere. At some point, someone will come across a, a record, a record of, of everything we did on Earth, and of, maybe um, maybe we'll be part of it. And in the future, they'll 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 listen to these strange audio records of what humankind was, and they say they seem to be obsessed with <laughs> with balls, just gigantic balls. They kick a ball around, and they would talk about it for ages. And then, who could throw a an yeah. orange or an apple. We don't know what these things are. Even we when we were... Some kind of e- sport. Even when they stop talking about balls, they just think of ways to turn fruit into balls. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I mean, yeah, it'll be great when in 300 years' time, football is long gone, and they find an early episode of the Arscast Extra in which we hail the potential of, I don't know, Sebastian Squalacci or something like that. <laughs> He'll be revered as a god. Yeah. Not only did they, uh, not only were they obsessed with balls, they talked absolute balls as well. So that's uh, true. Anyway, look, we hope you uh, enjoyed it, uh, regardless of how much balls we've talked. We will uh, catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye bye.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 